This is Lori Koppelman. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of The Clutter Chronicles, One Woman's Journey Through Stuff. In our first episode, I introduced you to Mary, and you learned about the start of her unusual relationship with stuff. Today, we continue the conversation and reach way back in time to discuss Mary's childhood. So Mary, we're back chatting, and we ended last time with you talking about how this hoarding thing started for you, and by the way, you call yourself a recovering hoarder, um, and I wanted to get some history of where where you think this started, and uh, just give me some reflection now after we've, after we've chatted on what that was like and covering that history for yourself. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've not been asked in this uh, kind of realm before. I've been through therapy and I've, I've talked about things, but it's usually talking about what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And then we'll dig into some of the history. But to say this is where it started... It was interesting to talk from that point because I didn't realize I knew all that. <laughs> I didn't realize I could put all that together. But somehow in the back of my mind, I knew um, where this had started. So, um, yeah, that's really interesting that you haven't ever talked about it. Is that right? I, true? I have not talked about I think I've thought about it, but I've never said it out loud. And there's something about saying it out loud where it kind of solidifies it. Um, And it's kind of like there's, I kind of look at it that we have multiple paths that we could choose. And maybe maybe if I wasn't. in whatever situations I was, I still would have chosen clothing. Maybe I would have gone into, you know, clothing design, something like that. So I've always had a, a love for clothing. Sure. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just... No. It's just what what I've been noticing is that you can have um, creativity or, or gifts or desires that just go awry. So I would say um, my hoarding, if you look at what I've hoarded, it gives you an insight of what it is I was searching for. And I, I know that there was times where I, was, I suffered from depression all my life. Okay. I had depression probably way before I have any memory of it. And that's, that's been... Um, figured out with my counselors, but I also knew. I just have always had this kind of, it's like a, a, a feeling of unbelonging since I was a child. And we even talked about in my therapy about how when my mother would leave me in the crib, um, I had this delayed... Um, I really have always felt kind of delayed in my, um, I can't think of the word, development in things. And there's a term for it, um, this particular delay. It's called object, object permanence. So like you have your hands over your eyes and you say peekaboo to a child. The child laughs because when you cover your face, you're gone. And when you open your hands, you're back again. And they think it's hilarious. 
Well, in my infancy, I don't think I realized that when mom and dad left that they were coming back. I think I, I felt like they were gone. Like if they put me to bed or to sleep for the night, um, I was abandoned. And so I would cling to my stuffed toys. Which, by the way, those particular toys that I remember from ther- therapy, I still have. You do. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is it's a moment in time that shaped me for who I am now. But going back in that moment in time has also helped me let go. And in going back and recognizing that I wasn't alone, it wasn't like that. It w- I, I perceived it that way, but it kind of healed me. So just in the last six months, I remember coming across those stuffed animals, and there's just this deep anxiety. And I think it was about feeling like I failed as a kid, like I should have been a happy kid. <laughs> you know, like you think, oh, my parents would have been happier if I were happier. Mm-hmm. You know, this again, it's this responsibility for things that you're not responsible for. Mm-hmm. So... What's interesting about that is as you dig deep into where did this stuff start, even though you might not have all the answers but you've touched on it, right. it lets it go. And I've, I, I can visualize, visualize myself, I haven't done it yet, but I can visualize myself coming across those stuffed animals and not feeling this deep anxiety, just looking at it and saying, these were mine when I was a kid, mm. and that's okay. Right. So I think that's a step towards these were mine and I can let them go. I haven't gotten there. But those are the real treasures that are the hard ones to let go. But in that, I've been able to let go of more of today's stuff that's coming, like the mail or a box that comes through that looks really cool or something that looks unique and not easy to find. I'm able to say it's okay and I can let that go. So... It works on different levels. Right. So you mentioned last time, and I'm just going to ask, and you can bring, you can talk about it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't plan what we're saying. Just by the way, and aside here, we don't plan what we're saying. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you. We haven't discussed what's fair game or not. So I'm going to ask you something, and anytime I ask you something, you can say, I'd rather not talk about it, or however you would do that in Mary style. Um, but you mentioned the last time we talked about a childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Do you care to share more about that? Do you Have you explored that aspect? Is it relevant to this? It sounds I, like it's it, relevant I, to this, yeah. but it's very, very personal questions. So, um, And we can come to that later on, sure. too, down the way as we keep chatting sure. with each other. I don't know if it was necessarily... If there was one event, I don't recall it. And it's it, that's kind of lingered in my mind that there probably was, and I've, I've repressed it, suppressed it, whatever the word would be. But I think it was a culmination of I've always taken in the world differently than the rest of my family. So let's say the whole family thought the way I did, maybe I wouldn't have felt isolated. But... I'm also different than most people. So it's not just, it's not like my family um, was that unusual. It was me that kind of was singled out. And what I mean by that is I like the keeping the paper because of the trees or worrying about the environment at age five 
I mean, there were things that affected me that kids my age didn't relate to, that my brothers didn't relate to, and I didn't know how to express. And so your tendency is to be in shame for that. Like, there's something wrong with me. Why, Why do I think these things? And there's no freedom in that because you... You can't explore it. I mean, right. if I hadn't taken it as shame, who knows where that could have gone, you know. Did um, you express it in the family? and were you? Oh, I probably did. And, and that's the sad thing is that I didn't know how to express it, so I probably just cried a lot. Yeah. And um, growing up, I had a terrible time expressing who I was and what I needed, and I would end up just having temper tantrums. So, you know, it's embarrassing because I've actually had this thought in my mind about, you know, I'll, I come and visit people who have young kids, and if they misbehave, the parents always feel, you know, embarrassed or what if they're misbehaving. But that's kids. That's the way they are. But on our block, we were a tight block. We were on a cul-de-sac. Everyone knew each other. Everyone looked out for each other. And I, I have this fear that the whole block knew I was a bratty kid, that I was this kid that would fall apart and have these fits. Because I was loud. <laughs> and if you think about it, we didn't have air conditioning. So it was windows open, you hear Mary fall apart. And so what does the family do when their child is misbehaving and embarrassing them? They tell them to be quiet. You send them to their room. It's more shaming. Right. So I would, I would say the majority of that was what was the base of it, of feeling... Um, un- misunderstood and I would turn to my stuffed animals I remember my mom taking a job she hadn't worked for the most of my young life and she took a job when I was in elementary school and I hated that, I wanted her to be home I, I just felt uneasy about mom not being at home while I was at school and so I would have you know, a, a way of dealing with that was stuffed toys turning to my toys right. um Sounds like you in your crib again. Yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling too old for that. Like, I'm old enough now where I shouldn't be clinging to toys and being very aware of that, which then, you know, becomes shaming. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like growing up, I was in the midst of pain, and I knew I was in the midst of pain, and then I was in shame for the midst of pain. It's kind of a, like I was too aware and I will attribute most of that to my ADD and, um, of course, I had depression. But I think that, that, at least for my ADD, I was hyper aware of patterns and people's behavior and, um, and you know, where do I fit in in that. And I was always studying... Um, people to figure out how I should be acting because I never quite knew what was going on so I knew how to pretend I knew what was going on Mm -hmm. so I would you know I'm not saying I had a horrible childhood I had a lot of fun I had a lot of friends on the on the block and stuff but in those times where you can't be freely you is when it was hard on me right how many kids in your family uh two older brothers okay so you're the I was the youngest. Yep, mm-hmm. coddled. Mm-hmm. You know, only you know two boys with a little girl, and um, it it's interesting to think back how uh, 
one choice can shape what your next choice is kind of thing. What do you mean? Um, I, I guess it's kind of like if I would have chosen to maybe um, open up more versus cling to a stuffed toy or feel like I could voice what was going on, my parents might be able to relate to that. Years later, my parents would talk to me and tell me how they just didn't know what I what to do for me. Right. They knew that I was in pain, but they didn't know how to help. And now it's out. Everyone knows what ADD is and depression in children and and, and problems. But th- at that time, that wasn't it wasn't understood, and it certainly wasn't talked about. Right. Right. So. So when did you start to become aware that you? You, your, your unusual relationship with things wasn't um, wasn't helping you. I wish I could remember the word. You, what had gone awry? Had when, gone did, awry. when did it start to go awry for you that that you <laughs> noticed that it had gone awry? Well, they say that one way to keep control of your clutter is to move. And we lived in the same house my whole childhood. I mean, I grew. I should say we moved there when I was three. Okay. So it was my whole childhood to me. And. When I moved to college, I had an excuse because I was living in a tiny little dorm room, so I had to leave stuff at home. So it was kind of the first clue that I had too much stuff because I left a lot at home, but so did my brother. So it didn't—it was still kind of under the disguise. And then when I graduated college and wanted to move out with my friend, my friends came and helped me, and they couldn't believe how much stuff I had. And... I just kind of laughed it off, and we moved. And then when I moved in the apartment, my my uh, roommate couldn't believe how much stuff I had. But I guess I poo pooed it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had I've had experiences where I've had closets collapse because I have too many clothes. Um, okay, so that's why when you saw my closet <laughs> yeah. and the rod, yes, yeah, and the rod, <laughs> you said, "Oh, we'll collapse." <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what experience you had had in that regard. So, first apartment, your closet collapsed? Yep, yep. That happened actually at home. I had tried to make a closet, and it's one of those metal things, you know, with the little slots. And you, anyway, it it wouldn't. It wouldn't hold much, but it certainly wouldn't hold my piles. And I'd have friends over, and they'd say, geez, Mary, if I had this many clothes, I'd never, never run out of outfits. And I just, I, I was always kind of embarrassed by it, and I wouldn't have people over. And in general, our family didn't like to have people over. We were pretty private. Okay. So that hides it. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have any uh, accountability. So, And I'm, you said your brothers had a lot of stuff. Did your parents have a lot of stuff? Yeah, were you I would unusual? say we were all kind of pack rats. Okay. So, I mean, um, I took it to the nth degree, but... Uh, we all kind of, I would say uh, my mom had tendencies that I had. Um, I, I understood why she saved things. She was very creative. She did dried flowers, so she'd keep, like, the plastic containers your your muffins would come in or whatever because they, they would hold the dry flowers and stuff. So she, was, she had the same tendencies. Right. But I was, like, way beyond anyone in the family. Okay. It kind of skyrocketed with me. But 
Um, I, I, with, with that, I would say indecision was the key to being either a pack rat or making it worse to be a, a hoarder and delay indecision. So you set the mail on the side and I'll deal with it later. And that turns into a pile. Um, as a child, we had this huge dining room table and it was always piled with stuff and it drove me nuts, which is funny because mm. you'd think that as a hoarder, if I was a hoarder all my life, that wouldn't have bothered me, but it actually was the opposite and I really always wanted to clean it. And I remember days of sneaking out when everyone else was sleeping to clean that because it drove me nuts. <laughs> Well, you also said you wanted a clean garage. Right. So there was right. something, so, too, you wanting clean space. Right, right. And I don't know, what's interesting, and I haven't figured it out, is when did I start deciding that clean space could be uh, let go of? Like, that wasn't as important. Because I would clean my room all the time, and my, in fact, I... I I had such fun doing displays and stuff as a kid that my family would come in and tour my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And I'd rearrange the furniture all the time. And uh-huh. I was very particular with how the living room would look. And I always had a knack for that. I always could make, like if we were going to have guests, my parents would say, hey, could you you know, make this place look nice for the guests? Right. Kind of thing. It's never how we lived. It was how we pretended we lived. Right. So, yeah, I always I always had this uh, interest in space and, and utilizing the space. So, mm-hmm. so apartments. Uh, that first apartment was that then the um, that was the first. Now you have to keep in mind this is when I first recognized I had the problem, but I was long. It was going to be a long time after that before I ever recognized I needed to deal with it. All right. So that was probably, uh, it could have been 10 years before I actually realized I was a hoarder. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get into that in more depth um, on our next conversation. I just want to ask, and maybe this isn't a quick question because I want us to wrap up fairly soon. Um, when did you recognize that your shopping was about soothing your anxiety? Did that... Mm come along at the same time as as the other piece or was that a separate well it's discovery? interesting because I, I I went from shopping for clothing to shopping for trinkets and in what what people call tchotchkes because I recognized that I could resell them quickly and I had an eye for them so I could go into uh, a thrift store and see something that I thought would resell immediately problem is then I wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't want to let it go. So the way I look at it is at that point, I was going through a real, real tough depression. And I think by shopping, it was like finding hope. Right. So each time I purchased something, it was a piece of hope. It was just not necessarily helpful in my, right. in my, in my situation, but... I really think it was what I was doing. It was I was trying to find um, answers to whatever I was dealing with at the time. And how old were you during this tchotchke? That was time? back in um, 
when it got back, bad was in 97 or 2003, between 97 and 2003. 97 was when I switched jobs and met a girl who taught me how to go to estate sales. Okay. That exponentially changed me. Right. Yeah. And how old were you then, roughly? I'm trying to think. 48 now. Okay. So what is that, 28, 27? Right. So it, it, I, I would say bad days at estate sales are very bad mm. because I, could, I knew I had this eye for things that were selling at the moment and it would be $5 bag days and what can you fit in this paper bag? And I would, I'd put anything in there that I thought would be remotely worth something with the idea of reselling it, which I did. I mean, some of that stuff was legit. I, I bought it and resold it. Right. But in the midst of that, there's a tendency for greed, obviously, and envy. And I got to a point where I didn't want to part with my cool stuff because I'm cool. I want that stuff. Right. <laughs> Junior high and a different <laughs> exactly level yeah. or with different things. Right. 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 And it's kind of funny because with each purchase, it was proving I was cool. So shiny things that are pulling me out of my depression yet proving I'm cool, it's a no-brainer. Right. What's wrong <laughs> with that? must buy that even though if I don't have the money. I mean, keep in mind this is all through me going through different jobs and or maybe being unemployed or not really having the money to be spending on, you know, things you don't need, yet it, it didn't stop me. It was kind of this, um, like a like a pull that I had no control of kind of thing. Like it was outside of me. Right. So. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there for right now. I'm very curious about what happened uh, to awaken the idea that you needed to do something about this, um, because it sounds like you were in it for a while, right? And and something happened. I don't know what happened, but we'll find out about that the next time we chat. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> and that ends today's chronicle. So many people I've talked to wonder why some people keep so much stuff. Were you like me? Did your heart break a little bit when Mary wondered what could have happened if she could have voiced what was going on instead of clinging to stuffed toys? I really feel like this is an important conversation, and I hope you do too. Send us your questions or comments on our Patreon site or on Twitter at ClutterCron. Thank you so much for listening. Come back again to find out what happens next on Clutter Chronicles.